0: Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Lemington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Welcome, morning everybody. It's Absolutely fantastic to see you all here today and a good morning to anybody out there listening on our podcast as well. We're so glad that you've tuned in this morning. So today is our first week of our Advent. So hence we've got our Christmas decorations up and today it's my on at to kick off what is gonna be our Advent series for this year. And our series is called Christmas Presents. And where we're gonna be going the next few weeks with this series is we're gonna be looking at some characters in the very first Christmas story where we all started who had an unexpected visit by an angel which is pretty amazing and over the next few weeks we're going to be looking at these different stories but we're going to particularly be looking at how the person responded when they had their unexpected Christmas present, their unexpected visit from an angel. But before we launch into today I'd like to ask you a question. So feel free to give me a show of hands at this one. But who here loves a good bargain? Give me a wave. and suddenly came to life there. Okay, did anybody do any Black Friday shopping? Give me another wave of hands. A few of us. A few of us, I did... I went on the New Look website, free delivery, it's all good. But the truth is, a lot of us love a good bargain. But I wonder if you've ever seen an offer or a bargain and you've thought to yourself, this just seems too good to be true. This reduction, this discount, maybe this offer on Groupon or wherever it is, it just seems too good. There's got to be a catch. Has anybody experienced that? Maybe you have gone on to purchase that item. And maybe here today, maybe we've got stories of, no, it was all good. It was genuine. Or maybe we've actually bought something and thought, actually, there was a catch. And I have a story when it seemed too good to be true. Groupon. I get the daily emails, maybe like some of you here and those of you listening out there too. And one came up for your oven to be cleaned. Now, some of us might be thinking how dull, how boring, wanting your oven to be cleaned. But to me, that is something I love, to have a professional come in and clean my dirty oven. And on Groupon, this offer, It was like £125 down to £25. And I thought, well, surely I have got to capitalise on this. So I booked the offer, got the voucher through, and it said, right, here's a telephone number, phone up this company, they will come out, clean your oven, it will be incredible, all for £25, all good. So get on the website, get the phone number, ring up a number, It's just going through to an answer phone. Okay, I'll leave a message. Next day, ring up the number. It's going through to the answer phone again. This proceeded every day. I'm quite persistent for about 14 days. When in the end, I thought, this is a joke. And the answer phone kept saying, we're taking a high volume of calls at the moment please, we will return your message. No, you're not returning my message. I've tried 14 days. I've got no more patience for this. So eventually, like sometimes we do, I had to contact Groupon. They were very apologetic. We will refund your money. I'm very sorry. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe it was. Just too good to be true. Maybe loads of people bought the offer, they couldn't keep up with demand, and maybe it was too good to be true. And today, where we're going to kick off is we're going to look at a character that was delivered some news that just seemed too good to be true. It's too good to be true. So come with me we're going to go into the book of Luke. Luke was written by a man called Luke, who gave us a lot of detail. Luke was a doctor, so we liked a lot of detail, and he has given us A fantastic account of what happened here in Luke. So we're going to start off at verse 5. It's up on your screens if you wish to follow as well. So Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5. When Herod was king of Judea, There was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. I'm just going to pause it there for a moment. So here we meet a man, Zacharias. He's a good man. He's following God's ways. He's actually a priest. So he's got a special responsibility. And his wife, Elizabeth, she's a good woman. But now the years have rolled by, they're old and their desire for children had still not yet come to pass. And back in those days, if a woman did not bear children for her husband, for her lying, she was considered to be ashamed, embarrassed. Maybe God, maybe he's punished me because I can't bear any children. But in all of that, they were good people. And Zacharias had got a special responsibility that day to go into the temple to pray for the people who were waiting outside and to burn some aromas. And this opportunity might only come round once in a lifetime. So today was a big day for Zacharias. Today was a day not to mess up But today was a big day, so let's find out. He's in the temple, verse 11, what happens. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he'll turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He'll be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zachariah said to the angel how can I be sure this will happen I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years then the angel said I am Gabriel I stand in the very presence of God it was he who sent me to bring you this good news but now Since you don't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So let's just take a step back and look at what's going on. So Zachariah's in the temple. He's about to pray for the people. He's about to burn the incense and suddenly... An angel appears. How would you feel if you're in your kitchen doing your washing up or getting in your car about to come to church and an angel appears? See, Zachariah was just like us. We would be a little bit like Zachariah, probably terrified. Whoa, what is going on here? This, this should not be happening. I've got it all mapped out in my head what I'm going to do in the temple. And then I'm going out. An angel has appeared to Zechariah. You see, and the angel then goes on to tell Zachariah some really specific information. You're going to have a son. This is his name. This is what he's going to do. This is his mission. Really breaks it down for Zachariah. All the time, Zechariah's probably thinking, what what is going on? What is going on? But we see his response just right there in verse 18. And I actually dug around in some different translations because here, is saying, well, how is this going to happen? But actually, the essence of what Zechariah was saying, and I love it, in the Living Bible, it says this. That Zechariah turned to the angel and said, but this is impossible. I am an old man and my wife is also well along in years. This is impossible. That is his response to the angel You see, Zachariah was like, listen, this is too good to be true. Have you seen the state my wife's body's in? Have you seen the state I'm in? Listen, it might be all well and good what you're saying to me, but it's impossible. Have you seen us? Do you know how old we are? Do you know that our biology and our age would tell us that should have happened way back there, maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago. But not now. Not now. This is impossible. You see, Zachariah's response to the angel wasn't so, well, can you confirm my faith? It was always a statement to say, I don't think so. This is too good to be true. This is impossible. And... The angel's response, Gabriel, he turns and he says, hang on a minute. Do you know who I am? And at that point, he tells him his name. Angels never usually in the Bible tell people their names. On this occasion, he did. And he told him his name. Listen, I'm Gabriel to make a point. This is who I am, and do you know who sent me? Do you know where I've come from? In other words, Gabriel's saying, listen, I've not got it wrong. Do you want me just to, one moment, I'm just going to pop back to heaven. I'm just going to double check I've got the right message, because sometimes we can get our wires crossed up there, and then I'm just going to come back down and just, no. He's like, I'm Gabriel. I've come from God. And because you don't believe, guess what's going to happen now? For a period of time, you're going to become deaf and dumb. Zacharias lost his speech, but it's also believed that he lost his hearing. He became deaf and dumb for a period of time because of his unbelief. You see, Zechariah just didn't believe that God could really do something in his situation for him and his wife. He just thought it was impossible. But you see, Zechariah was in the temple. He was doing all the right stuff. He believed in God. He was a good man. But there was one thing that was wrong. Unbelief had crept into his head and into his heart. Unbelief had found his way right into his head and his heart. And unbelief was influencing his perspective, how he was looking at his situation. You see, unbelief influences your perspective. Unbelief influences your perspective. You see, I've got Daniel's binoculars here. He let me borrow them. See, we can have a situation that we're looking at in our lives. And two people can take the binoculars and they can look at that situation through the binoculars. But they can see two completely different results. We may have one person that looks at a situation through unbelief and their result might be, waste of time, never gonna happen, impossible. Have you seen the state of it? Have you seen the situation? But we can have someone else, same situation. They look through and they think, you know what? Maybe there's a chance. Maybe actually God can do something in this situation. Unbelief influences our perspective. But see, we can give Zachariah a hard time this morning. So how could you not believe? But actually, where's the unbelief in your life? Where's unbelief took residence in your life? Because I can guarantee today we're all here with different situations, things going on in the background of our world and our life. And for you today, you're going to be carrying unbelief in areas of your life. I'm going to be carrying unbelief in areas of my life. It's not just Zachariah that went through it, it's you and it's me. Maybe we've got a situation in our life, maybe we've got some debt going on, some health issues going on, some relationships that have gone messy. And we might just think, you know what, it's impossible. God's not going to be able to do anything. He's gone too far. should have happened 10 years ago for something to happen, for change. Where's unbelief sitting in your heart? Where's unbelief sitting in your head. You see, unbelief will move on in into our lives wherever it can. Unbelief will try and come into our lives and take up as much space as it possibly can in our mind and in our heart. It will try and spread itself out and grow So that maybe what started off as a small amount of unbelief actually starts to grow and multiply and lead to another issue and another issue. Unbelief influences our perspective. And here in this story, unbelief, what did it do to Zachariah? It silenced him. That was the only reason he became deaf and dumb. Because his unbelief, God said, because you don't believe, you're now going to be silenced. And for several months, he went through a period of being silenced. And unbelief does the exact same thing to you and to me. Unbelief wants to silence you. Wants to stop you. Wants to silence you. How does that work out, Leanne? Doesn't make much sense. Unbelief. Shh. Shh. You can't do that. Shh. It's going to be a disaster if you try and step out in that area. Shh. There's someone far better than you and more qualified and capable to do what's in your heart, shh, don't dare tell your family and friends about that word that God's given you, they'll think it's a joke, shh, remember the last time you tried something for the first time, remember how that went, shh, don't invite your friends and family to that carol service down at Life Community Church, won't want to come. They've got far more better things, like watching EastEnders, than coming there. Shh! Don't try and tell that person about your faith, because they're not interested. They've already told you they don't believe in God. Just drop it, leave it. Shh! I've already told you you're not good enough. If it's not happened to anyone else in your family, why do you think God's going to bless you financially? If no one else has ever had a breakthrough in that area of their life, what makes you think you're any more special? You won't have a breakthrough. You're not good enough. Are you still praying the same prayer for that person? You've been praying for them for 15 years and they still not become a Christian. Just drop it. Just forget it. You're wasting everyone's time. And on and on and on it goes. We could stand here all day and we could listen. What does that voice of unbelief sound like? When is it trying to silence you? Because every day in your life, unbelief, shh, is trying to silence you. It's trying to stop you. It's trying to take you back and not push you forward. See, unbelief seeks to abort things in you before they've even come to life. Unbelief wants to abort your dreams before you've even seen it stage one unbelief wants to abort your passion and your desires before it's even started finding a sound and a voice unbelief wants to abort that word of God that you're standing on before you've even really started embracing it and stepping into it unbelief wants to abort it wants to get rid of and it wants to silence but you see the story goes on And if we jump further on in chapter one this morning, read it at home as our time is short now. Elizabeth conceives that old body, his old body does what the word says it produces a seed. She conceives a child. Nine months later, or so, she has that baby. Zachariah is still deaf and dumb, they ask her, they ask him, what should the child be called? And as he writes it on a tablet of stone, John, the angel told me, John, John, I'm writing it down. Suddenly, verse 64 says, his mouth opened and his tongue loosened. And then he prays an incredible prayer. Go read it. Luke chapter 1, what he prays. You see, God doesn't want a silent you. He doesn't want a silent you. God doesn't want you to live in the land of unbelief. But God wants you to be able to step into and take a hold of everything he's got for your life because he's got so much God doesn't want a silent you he doesn't want you to shrink back from those desires in your heart, he doesn't want you to shrink back from where you know you need to step into he doesn't want a silent you, he wants a you that is standing up that is going forward that is embracing everything that God has got for you but how? sounds good but how? how do we do that? A few years ago, Dave and I put our house up for sale. We wanted to move to another house. The house we were selling was a nice house in a little bit of a dodgy area. Our courteous cool was fine, the rest of the area was a little bit interesting took us three and a half years to sell the house. We think because people came, nice house, not so sure on the wider area. You see, and eventually we sold the house and it made us think, well, okay, we, we do want a nice house again and we want a bit more room, but actually the neighbourhood that we're going to buy into or live in is, is probably important as well. So, we can't afford to live in the best place ever, but maybe we'll try and get a house that's good, but an area, a neighbourhood that's that's fairly good as well, with our children growing up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we got all pieces of advice. Some people said, get a really, really small house, but in a really, really amazing neighbourhood. Some people said, forget the neighbourhood, just get us... Figure how she can, doesn't matter what the neighbourhood's like, we thought we'll go for a bit of an even balance. You see, because our neighbourhood is important, where we're living is important. And you see, I've got an illustration for us, for those that are listening out there on our podcast. I'm putting down two blankets. I've got a white blanket over here, a cream one. I've got a brown one over here. You see, how does God not want us to be silent? This is it. We've got two neighbourhoods that we can choose to live in. Over here, we've got the neighbourhood of unbelief. This is the unbelieving neighbourhood. Everything over here represents unbelief. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. Over here, we've got the neighbourhood of belief, of faith. I believe it, and for each one of you, every day of our life, we've got a decision to make. What neighbourhood am I going to live in today? Am I going to live in the neighbourhood of unbelief, or am I going to live in the neighbourhood of faith of belief? And this comes in to every area of our life. Every day, we're in a battle in our mind. We think, okay, 1,200 words a minute, apparently. That's a lot of thinking. That's a lot of going on up here. Every day, we've got a lot of stuff going on up in here. And our unbelief will always start in our mind. That's why we call it the battlefield of the mind, because it's all about what's going on in here. Because out of here will come everything else. And every day we've got a decision. Okay, I'm in a situation. I can either go to the neighbourhood of unbelief and settle myself down there, or I can choose no. I'm going to go to the neighbourhood of belief. What does that look like? Maybe some of us here today or listening were married. And maybe our marriage has gone through a bit of a challenging time, which is natural. And we might think, my marriage is never going to be like I want it to be. They're never going to change. We're never going to get through this particular issue. And we can start living in the neighbourhood of unbelief. And as we start thinking and feeding that unbelief, it grows, it gets bigger. One problem leads to another problem. Before we know it, the unbelief has gone even bigger. What started off as a bit of unbelief has suddenly gone even bigger. And then as we stay in that neighborhood of unbelief, it gets bigger and bigger. But how about if we think, actually, you know what? It's okay to go through challenging times when we're married. It's natural. We're going to work through this. We're going to get some good counsel. We're going to pray together. We're going to have some more fun together. This is just a season. We're going to get through this. And you know what? We're going to be stronger at the end of it. We're going to be better when we come through this because I'm living in the neighbourhood of belief. I'm not living in the neighbourhood of unbelief Maybe some of us in this room have got debts, many issues stuff that's keeping us awake at night. We've got a choice. We could come over here and say, it's going to get worse and worse. I'm never going to get out of it. No one has ever been through what I've been through ever before. No one will ever understand me. Maybe we might think, you know what, this is tough. I need to get some help. I need, to, I need to put things in place in my life. I need to change some patterns. But I believe God's going to help me. I believe God's on my side. I believe God's going to get me through this. Maybe for some of us, we're, we've been praying a prayer and waiting on a word for months, for years. And we might be tempted to come into the neighbourhood of unbelief and think, maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe that word that God gave me is never going to come to pass. Maybe that person, maybe their heart is so hard to God, they're never going to come to know Jesus. Or maybe we might think, you know what? God said it. If he said it, he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it, but if he said it, he's going to do it and I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I'm praying the prayer. I'm holding on to the word. And as I hold on, guess what? Other people around me are going to watch me holding on and our neighbourhood of belief is going to grow. It's going to get bigger because other people are going to come with me. Maybe we've got issues of health. The doctors have said, no, it's looking bleak. It's looking impossible. I serve a God that with him all things are possible. With him he can open, we sang it, he can open the eyes of the blind. He's conquered hell and death. He's resurrected. That's the God that I'm holding on to. You see, we've all got an address. We're all living at a postcode. We're either living in the residence of unbelief Or we're living in the residence of belief, of faith. Where are you living today? And I dare you to imagine, what would your life look like if you started living more in faith, in belief? I wonder what things you'd be doing if you were living more in the address of belief and faith I wonder what dreams in your heart have not yet been accomplished that will be if you're living in that area, that address of faith. We're all living in a neighbourhood. Only you can make the decision where you're at. You see, unbelief changes our perspective. Unbelief will try to silence you. But God doesn't want a silent you. God wants you to rise up. Rise up, people of God. Rise up, man of God. Rise up, woman of God. Everyone that's listening out there, rise up. God doesn't want a silent you. So where are you going to choose to live? Where are you going to choose to stand with the situations that come into your life tomorrow? Tuesday. Wednesday. Wednesday. Where are you going to choose to live? We can live in unbelief and we can remain silent. Or we can live here in belief and faith and think, you know what? God has got incredible things for me. The best is yet to come. I'm going to keep going forward and I'm going to choose to live in faith and belief. So God bless you this morning. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.